Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And it's fun when I have been on a podcast and then I get to have that podcast host on this podcast. And this is no different. My friend Mohammed Sadiq is the host of the Growth Hacking Secrets podcast. And I was on Sadiq's podcast last week. And so now... I get a chance to bring Sadiq into the Intentional Encourager podcast. And, and uh, he is a commercial real estate investor and author of the book, New Success Secrets. So if you're watching this on YouTube, he's got his book there, New Success Secrets, How to Build, Run, and Manage an Unstoppable Success Team. And there is a lot of things we're going to get into with my guest, Muhammad Sadiq. And I'm just going to call him Sadiq. So Sadiq. Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. How are you today, my friend? Thank you so much. I'm, I'm wonderful, Brian. How about you and your audience? Uh, you know what? As we would say here in West Virginia, if we were any better, we would have to be taken out and shot. <laughs> <laughs> and Sadiq, like myself, does a lot of podcasts during a day. And so he understands that, you know, you, you have to be ready for your guests and, and bring the energy. And Sadiq, let's start here. When, when people are in, there, there has been so much turmoil around the past year, around this pandemic. I want to start here with you. What is the biggest thing that people need to keep in mind about growing during a pandemic? Because everything has changed. Everything is turned upside down. And, and some people were on a growth trajectory and they were just growing and doing different things and moving in a different direction. And then it halted. Maybe progress got halted. How do people continue to grow in the midst of uncertainty? You know what? Every challenge brings opportunity. And this is not no different. In fact, this challenge has brought in the whole world almost to online world. Many people who never believed, oh, I don't want to be on a social media. I don't want to be listening to a podcast like Intentional Encourager because we all need a lot of encouragement right now. So they were not online before. So new markets, people, they never thought they will somebody, I will be reaching out to them on YouTube. Now they are online. And people are more spending more time online right now than ever before. That's this challenge is bringing that opportunity. On the other side, you as an entrepreneur or business owner or thought leader or speaker or podcast host, you name it, or the book author, now your market and audience are online. Just start speaking with them, not talking at them, connecting with them, with the word of your wisdom, encouragement, intentionally. And that will really connect you to grow, connect with other people in your own target market. And that will help you to actually, you can start listening to them. Engage, once you engage with them, ask them how they are navigating their life in, in this interesting time. Mm -hmm. 
and we can all learn from each other how to navigate in this one. There's no script written for this one. Even our governments all over the world, they don't know much how to handle this. They are learning it on the job. Guess what? We can learn from our market. For the governments, we are the market. For us, people who are listening and engaging with us, they are the market. So we can navigate in this together. Thanks. I love what you said there. There, there's a couple of things that I want to park on, Sadiq. You said, don't speak at your audience. Speak to your audience. And that is such a, for some people, that's a foreign concept because they're always trying to disseminate information, trying to always bring things out and do things. And they feel like if I don't push out the, and our media is like that. Our media thinks, well, we've got to push out the information. We've got to put, we've got to speak at an audience. And you said there's no script written for how to navigate these times. How does a person find their own script to speak to their audience? Because I want to marry those two concepts together. When you write a script, it's dialogue that you're trying to convey and tell a story. So how do you marry speaking to your audience within your own personal script? Yeah, we all call it a do your homework. You need to know your audience, who is listening to you, what is their pain, what's their age, what they do, and what is their pain points are, what is the challenge they are having in their life. You as an expert, as an author, as an investor or whatever, who are the, you are the solution to their so-called problem. Until you know their problem, how they're living their life, you cannot write a script for that. So do your homework, who is your ideal persona? And every type of different target market has a different set of challenges. Some are common. However, you have to have a almost unique because your solution service or a product is a solution to their problem, what they're facing. Once you can pinpoint that one, then you can, writing a script becomes so easy because you're really speaking to your audience, not anybody else. I love that, speaking to your audience, because, you know, and, and Sadiq, that is, that is why I decided to do the Intentional Encourager podcast. I had people that tell me, you need to do a podcast. And I, I saw so much expertise in the marketplace, but I saw very little encouragement. And I thought, well, encouragement is universal. Who doesn't want to be encouraged? Who doesn't want to, to feel better about themselves and hear from people who have walked through circumstances in life and things like that? How does one find what their audience is really searching for? Because I think people get a sense of, this is what I do well. And this is what I have to speak to. And it's hard for some people to get outside of what they are more comfortable with, but what their audience is really seeking. How does someone really dial in on what their audience is actually looking for? It's as simple than you think. Whatever you do, you have a solution to something and you know your product or service is solving someone's problem. What is that problem? What is that challenge? What is the issues they are having with? Go and Google that, write that issue. Let's say you have a widget 
that is solving challenge. Just write that what people are searching for and look at the different forums. Now on Facebook, there are groups. On LinkedIn, there are groups. People join those groups. Don't start posting. Start listening what people are talking about. And they will say, oh, I'm having this issue. Who do you recommend? And see what they're typing and what their pain is. You can engage in that conversation. Say, tell me more. They will write more in detail. When you start listening to one, two, three, five, 100, 100 people, 500 people, more you listen, more you know about your target audience. Wow. Then you can see what other solutions people are offering over there. And you can see if your unique solution, solution is not unique enough. Now that gives you the opportunity to improve your solution or service or product before you start pitching. All the people you are engaging in the conversation with, they are your target audience. You just said something brilliant, Sadiq. I, I, I love it. And I wrote it down. Don't start posting. Start listening. Because you'll see a lot of people say, well, you need to have an engagement strategy. You need to, you know, you need to post content every day. Or people will say, uh, I posted content every day and this is how I grew my platform and, and my audience and things like that. Sadiq, I'll be transparent with you and the audience. There are some days that I don't feel inspired or I will intentionally back away from my platform for a day to recharge my mind, to recharge my, my spirit, my heart, because I think that we can get so addicted to posting that we stop forgetting, we forget about listening. How do people separate, in your opinion, how do you separate an engagement strategy from really listening to your audience and posting at the right time with the right message? When you say engagement, engagement, you are trying to see, I post something, you're going to post this show, see how many people are engaging with you in the comment section. Now they're engaging with your content. When I was talking about listening, it's the completely the opposite. You don't have to even come up with what to post. You go in a listening mode, people, someone like you have posted something and other people are engaging with that. Or other people are posting their own challenge what they're having in your target market. And you wanna engage with them. That's how you're going to build the your target audience through that engaging with them, they get to know, like, and trust you over a period of time. They will think like, oh, hey, you know, Brian is a person of a value. Whenever he posts, he always gave a value. Then that's how you start getting the social trust level going up and up. One person may engage with you. The other, other hundred people are listening and watching. You know, two people post, there are 200 other people, they read it. So don't think about only two people like your uh, whatever you posted uh, and, and reply to their con uh, comment section. Other people are reading it because many people like to read. They become your uh, well-wishers. They become your quote-unquote in the virtual world, your new friends. That's how you are. Before you start posting, you would need to earn those hundreds of hundreds of people in your well-wishers then you can actually create your own market right from there very easily because people like to, they like to know you, they like, they have to like you and then they have to start trusting you. Once you add a value, people start trusting you. That is so brilliant because I never thought of it that way. And I'm so grateful that you brought that up. People, more people listen 
and watch than they engage. I love that. That is so brilliant, Sadiq, because you're 100% correct is that if you are looking just at views and and clicks, and, and, and we have become a society of numbers. We have become a society of, well, I've gotten X amount of downloads. I have X amount of followers. I have X amount of connections. You know, it, it's about building the numbers. I have always said with this podcast, I am, I am very minimally concerned with numbers. The number I want to reach is one. To your point that you just so brilliantly made, it is, it is that one person that sees something that you've done. And it, and it resonates with them. They're watching and listening over engaging. How do you, and I, I want to ask you real quick, and then we'll take a break. How do you flip the mindset of going from engagement first to listening first? Yeah, you want to be successful. We all want a success. How you can help someone to improve their life or the solution to their problem until you don't know if, what the problem is. You go to the doctor for anything. Guess what? Doctor, start asking questions. They never say, hey, I have a degree. I have a, treated 2,000 patients and out of the 200 died. They never say this. They never say, they never say their pitch. They ask question after question. More questions the doctors ask and listen to you. If doctor is not listening to you what you say, Guess what? You don't even feel comfortable taking any medicine from him, prescription. So you are a doctor of your own field. That's how you need to follow the questions. Is what why doctor is asking question? He is listening. Because from the listening, they are going to come up with a prescription which is really unique to you. And that's exactly what you need to follow the metaphor of a doctor, being a doctor of your own field. You don't, have so be, you don't have to be PhD. You don't have to be a medical doctor. You are a doctor. You are a solution to someone's pain. That is so good. That is so good. Let's step aside, take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Back here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, I'm here with my guest, Muhammad Sadiq. I call him Sadiq. He is the host of the Growth Hacking Secrets podcast and the book of new the book new success secrets and i love what you said there before the break about thinking like a doctor and here's why 
a doctor is not going to come in. Your doctor is not going to come in and say, well, Sadiq, I've treated 4,300 patients and um, we have a failure rate of 62%. Nobody wants to talk about a failure rate. They want to only say, well, the reason that I'm prescribing this treatment to you is because I've seen a high level of success. That's going to transition very well into talking about your book, New Success Secrets. And I want to I want to go here for just a few minutes with you. What prompted you to write the book? And what's the number one thing that folks will get out of the book when they read it? Once they read the book and implement it, it's not a reading book, it's a workbook you implement. In my to-do list, we all have a big to-do list, then we get overwhelmed. We never really focus on certain things. Oh my God, I have so many things to do, very little time. 24-7 is not even enough time for me to finish because I'm so busy. My inbox to-do list is zero, Brian. Zero. Here is how the, your audience, people are watching, intentional encouragers, watching or listening, they can make their to-do list to a zero. In the book, I say there are four Ds. Once you have something to do, first thing is do it. And if you can't do it now, then date it. When you're going to do it, like this, Intentional Encourager podcast interview, we dated it the other day. Hey, when we are going to do it? Yeah. If we can't do it, then delegate it. Third D is delegate. Give it to in your team. If you have a team, if you don't have it, it's you. You delegate to someone to do it. The fourth D, you are going to love it. If you can't do it yourself, if you can't date it when you're going to do it, if you can't delegate to someone, the fourth D is dump it. Don't keep it to your podcast, <laughs> to-do to list. Because to-do list is going to overwhelm, then that's really affecting our, uh, producing effective results. Sadiq, I've got to jump in here. The, the, I love what you said. Do it, date it, delegate it, and if all else fails, dump it. Yeah. Why do people fail to get to that fourth step? Because I, I, I can see so many people going, well, I put it on my to-do list for a reason. And, and there's a reason that it intentionally went on that list. And then there's, there is a reticence or an almost, um, this is, this is not an option to delete this. Why do people feel that they ha they cannot delete something off of that list? Because they don't know say how to say no to something. They have not learned that part. They keep saying yes to everything what's coming to them. However, they are not well positioned to align what they are doing in their life. Is it helping them to grow? Is it helping solving their problem? Or is it helping someone to uh, add a value to someone's esteem? It has to have one of those things. Otherwise, if you keep saying yes, it's not helping you. You cannot uh, assign a certain priority. If it's not a priority, then dump it. Simple as that. It has to add a value what you are doing right now or in immediate future. If you are doing right now, then put it, do it right away. If there's something in, in future six months from now, then date it. Don't try to do it now. If you don't even see it's going to help you next six months, dump it. You know, it, and that's so funny that you, it's not funny that you say that, but that is, that is so ironic that you say that is because we are all married to, to these things that we, we, if, if it doesn't go on a calendar, 
If it doesn't, you, you mentioned dating. If it doesn't go on our schedule or things like that. And, and we are just a society that thinks the more things that we're doing, it, it's almost, it, it, it really is, Sadiq, it's quantity over quality. But what you're really saying is if it's not adding value to what you are doing or where you're going, it really doesn't need to be on that list. So what should people look for when they're, when they're following this, this procedure? What is, what's a question of value that they should ask themselves? Because everyone defines value differently. So, so what's one thing that someone can say, how do I know what value is to me in this thing that I have put on my, my to-do list? A am I making sense with that question? Yeah, of course. So it's, it's not that hard. It's like you're kind of look inward yourself. Think about what is your priority for now and for next six months, where you want to go. Let's say many people are impacted to find a new job in this economy right now. Millions and millions of people are without a job. For, for next few months, they are going to have to focus on how to do the job search the right way. So anything which is not related to job search, dump it. I'll put it six months a year from now. So it's not in your immediate to-do list. Let's say you have you are a startup right now and you are looking for a funding. So for next few months, only focus on dating and dump in next few months, dating and doing it right now is related to finding a funding partner, investor partner. Or if you're alone, you're looking for other partners or board of advisors in your startup. So you only focus on things what's immediately is going to improve what you are doing right now to take your business solution or a job search or a startup uh, taking to the next level. Then it becomes so easy to figure out what's the value I'm going to focus on right now. Whatever you're focusing on right now, that will help you to put the, uh, what is coming your in way is to put in the right priority at the right time. You, you know, Sadiq, I love what you said there because there are so many times, and I've said this to people, I said, look, and, and I've said this to my son, I've said this to other people as well. Just because an opportunity comes to you, it doesn't mean that it's for you. Because everybody thinks, oh, well, the, you know, someone brought this to me. It must be, I, I must be supposed to do it. And to your point, it continues to bog you down. It continues to weigh you down. And it, it really keeps you from growing where you need to grow and, and doing the things that you need to do. What's one thing, I want to ask you this real quick. What's one thing that you can use as a flushing out or a dumping point to really determine if something is for you or not? Do you, do you measure it against something or do you just say, I don't know how it makes, I, I feel something internally that just tells me this is not the right situation because people will try to add things in that say, well, if I don't do this, I'm not going to get there. And really what it's doing, Sadiq, it's really keeping them, the thing they think they need to add is keeping them from getting to where they want to go. Yeah, example would be very, very simple. Someone is launching a startup. 
what they do is, hey, I'm working on my website. You ask them a year later, they're still working on the same website. <laughs> I did that with my book. And, and I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I said that about my book. I, that is so ironic that you brought that up because I, I would say for a year, I'm writing a book or two years, I'm writing a book. And I finally got to the, the beginning of 2020. And I said, listen, if you don't get this book done, never talk about it again. And that was the fuel that I needed to, to push myself and propel myself forward. I, I think you've hit on something really brilliant. Let's take a break real quick. When we come back, I want to get into Sadiq's story. Um, you're going to want to stick around. This man has a powerful story to tell, and we'll tell it here in just a moment on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. I want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People. 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector you've got to pick up a copy of people buy from people there are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector you can go to amazon and pick it up kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way or now available on audible and there's one other way you can get a copy of people buy from people you can get one from me and i'll sign it for you you go to intentional media and publishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Sadiq, I want to dive into your story. Because again, you know, it is, it is so powerful to have you. And I, I have been, as you've been talking, I've just been taking notes and you have really been giving us a clinic today on value and listening and, and, and things like that. So, so tell folks your story and go as far back as you want to go from point A to point B and just tell your life story in, in, in how you got to where you are today. I'm in case you have not figured out, I'm originally from Pakistan. That probably my accent should say it Sadiq, all. I thought you were from Kentucky. I really <laughs> just, I know you live in Atlanta, but I thought you were a Kentuckian, man. You, you, yeah. your, your, your accent, no, I'm kidding you, my friend. So I, I was born in a remote village in a small city in, called Rahimya Khan in Pakistan. And my parents never went to school. The village, around 300 families. There's no, even a city is like a six mile away where like you go on a bicycle. And my middle school, I was walking for over a mile each way in the morning and, you know, in the afternoon coming back. And I have done masters in computer science. I lived in a mosque, like a church, two years because I had no rent to pay to in a city. Where I didn't have enough income. My parents, we are five brothers and two sisters, large family single source of income and I did it because I never went, there was nothing to go back. And I was doing a tutoring on the privately 
earning money while I am actually studying myself in a college and then master's in computer science. In 96, I migrated to Canada. Sadiq, did your parents growing up when you, you said your parents were not, were not educated and, and things like that. And, and I can relate. My father had a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was, was, she dropped out to marry my dad. Um, so my mom didn't finish high school. Were your parents encouragers to you to get your education or did that encouragement have to come internally from, from how you grew up and, and, and where you grew up? It's a combination of both. So mostly was my internally. However, one thing they did, they say, as far as you're studying and passing and not failing on any class, you can continue the education. They never stopped me. That's their way of encouraging me. And I'm so thankful and grateful for that one. In fact, I was like, sometime I was the top in the class and sometime I was getting scholarships, uh, you know, winning grants and all that stuff. That's how I did completed my master degree. And so when you, when you, when you finish, you, you emigrate to Canada, was that just an, an, an incredibly different experience from the way you grew up? Because most of us have lived in a certain area all of our lives, or we, you know, we've moved a little bit, but we haven't, you basically picked up and, and moved from Pakistan to Canada. How did you end up in Canada? And what was that like? What kind of culture shock was that like for you moving all the way across the world? That was almost a 180 angle difference, not much difference. <laughs> Everything different, you know. You have to follow the rules, stand in a line, and focus on hard work, no shortcuts. And my English, if you can see my accent right now, this is this is, let's go back 25 years ago. I could not even understand my own English, what I was speaking. And I had to find a job. Everything was different. However, there are so many people, Brian, like yourself, help me to get where I am today. It's not me alone. So I got the proper coaching. I found my first job in three weeks. I didn't have, have enough money to even pay for my flight. I have a good friend, uh, Khalil from Lahore in Pakistan. They, he paid for my flight. And then I got my first job, got a paycheck and returned on the money back, you know? Wow. That's that how... That is so cool because, you know, some people would be just so focused and, 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 and Sadiq, that speaks to your character because your friend helped you get to Canada, get the flight to Canada. You literally land in Canada with nothing. And in three weeks, you earn enough money to send him back his investment in you. As you start to, to say, okay, this is my new world and my new life. What was your priority or your main goal when you got to Canada? What, what did you want to set out to do? The number one was because as, uh, I have a master's in computer science. So I was trying to find a job. So within three weeks, I applied to every recruiter in the Toronto area, almost everyone. Let your market know that, hey, I'm here and I'm looking for a job. Exactly what we were talking a few minutes ago. And I got a few jobs in, within three weeks. It was quantity. And I was, because I'm, my whole goal was I need to do as many as interviews I want to do so I can improve my communication. At the same time, I will stick somewhere. It was a lucky where the opportunity prep, prep, uh, prep meets the opportunity. That's how I got lucky. 
and I got a great international environment to work for. And you know, I got the opportunity. I'm, I was so blessed and working in a great team. Then I end up in working for Oracle Corporation. You know, there's a little company called Oracle. I yeah, a little for- tiny company called Oracle. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, what what a, you know, how how are they still hanging on after all these years, right, Sadiq? <laughs> so in fact. I, they sponsored my green card in U.S. and that's how I migrated to uh, U.S. So I worked for them for a few years. In fact, I was a consultant of the quarter uh, from the thousands of thousands of consultants. I believe in hard work and delivering value and producing results. That's the only focus I had been. Now, 25 years later, I am the commercial real estate investor, author of New Success Secrets book and a publisher of a few magazines. I didn't know, imagine not knowing almost virtually anyone except a few people. And now I know thousands of thousands of friends like Brian Sexton. Well, Sadiq, that that is a great, and and there's so much to unpack there. So I've got to go here with you for just a moment. You land with Oracle, a big company. Did you, was there ever a sense of intimidation? Because you have always talked about hard work and, and, and really being focused. But you get into an organization like Oracle, and they are massive. They are so big. What was your thought process going to that company? Was were you just going there because um, it's 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 a lot bigger company? I you know more opportunity, or did you go into it with the mindset of I'm going to go here and see how far I can really go within this industry? There are two steps uh, when I go to any opportunity. Is two steps. The first, whatever I know, I'm going to showcase that to them. So they believe in the results. That's why they are going to hire you. And then you have a few months, you are going to learn everything else new, which you don't know. And that's how I landed opportunity in, in Toronto. That's how I learned, uh, landed opportunity with Oracle. So because they like your results, you already achieved. That's the only way they are going to hire you. Once they give you the opportunity, first few months is your opportunity, what you already delivered to someone else, yes. showcase that one because you are a solution to their problem. At every bigger or smaller company, all have a challenges. They are looking for a solution in terms of consultants who can help them to actually grow to their, their next level, their product, their services, their consulting. So don't get intimidated. Oh my God, this is so big. What I'm going to do? No no overwhelming at all. No. Hey, I have some value to offer. That's why they hired me in the first place. Offer that value right to start with. That will give you time and opportunity to learn more with them. Was there a lesson that you learned from working for a company like Oracle that you've applied to your business today? Because, you know, a lot of people think, well, Oracle or, or companies like that. And we just, we mentioned that because that's a company that you came from, you know, that, that culture and things like that, these large corporations, people think, well, they have it so together. It's why they're so massive and so large. Was there something that you learned at your time in Oracle that's helped you in your companies today? Absolutely. hundred percent. In fact, what they do is they, uh, I was as a consultant travel Monday to Friday, you know, leave Monday morning is a good time of travels. But travel almost all major cities and live there for small months, two months, three months, few weeks to work on different, different clients. What they do is they charge $200, $500, $300, like a large amount of hourly rate to the, uh, to the client 
while I make a small, tiny, tiny portion of that one because that's how they make, that's how they got big, which is good, good for them because they have a brand they can you know demand those kind of rates. However, the client is looking at me as a five hundred dollar per hour. I have to give them that much value. So I learned so much of working with them for a few years, working for like Oracle, IBM, or the big companies for five years, three years is almost like a 30 years working in a small company because you're constantly on producing results and facing new yeah. challenges at every new clients. So then I figured it out, you know what? I don't need that much travel with the family, with a small kid. I probably even make a 3% of this one. I should be good. So I, what I did because I knew Oracle consulting, I used the Oracle solution to launch my own company with the $694. And that was my partner's credit card because I didn't have a credit card at the time. And a few years later, 12 years later, we sold for a multi-million dollar that company. We were the number one e-commerce in our niche, in our business worldwide, competing with 30 other companies all over the world, using what we already learned from Oracle. Because if it's good enough for them, for my scale is good enough for them for $300 an hour, we are making a few thousand dollars an hour from our own small, implementing the large into small way, my way. The lesson really is, you don't need to be that big. If you are really believing you're delivering a value and you don't need even everything to be implemented, you will implement a small thing, however, in the, in the big way. Yeah. Focus and that will produce results. Do you feel like that the way you grew up and how you lived as a child and an adolescent continue to push you through your life because a lot of people and and and, and we see it here in West Virginia we're we are a poor state we have one about 1.8 million people in the whole state and people say i want to make something of myself because i want to to leave and go to bigger and better places and better things because there are some parts of our state, Sadiq, as you know, that are very rural and, and economically depressed. Did you ever have that mindset of, I want to succeed so that I can see a bigger world and not have to come back here? Or was it something else that drove you? Because, again, I can really see a lot of similarities in you talking about the way you grew up to people that grew up here in, in economically depressed areas. You talked about being in a remote village and things like that. Was that what continued to drive you or was there something else that drove you? Because hard work and producing results and I, I was facing those results. That's my DNA right from in the early age. They never changed. And that should not, even right now, even it's not changed. Even though I meet uh, like many people like yourself all around the world and podcasts and we do business ventures together, still I believe in hard work and there's the best yet to come. There's always a better way and I want to learn that one. That's my mindset. With that one, as a, um, my mentor, the reckless billionaire, he owns 48 businesses and over $10 billion owns 160 miles of beachfront properties in the US and all around the world. Reckless billionaire, Mr. O. I'm learning from him. I'm so honored that he made, he make me, made me his business partner now because I believe in producing results 
and keep learning to the next level, next level. I'm knowledge hungry. You know, Steve Jobs said, stay foolish and stay hungry. I second that. Yeah. Yeah, because again, and, and I talked about Steve Jobs in my book. Steve Jobs was so unique in his approach that he just said, okay, why can't, if all the things that we can do with a personal computer, why can't we do those same, same things in the palm of our hand with a phone? Why can't we have video calling and things like that? And it was because he had that unique mindset, Sadiq, that, that he just, he revolutionized communication forever. The iPhone, there will never be a device like the iPhone that revolutionized communication like that. And you're right, stay foolish, stay hungry. I've got to ask you this. I've got a couple more questions for you. You've been so gracious with your time. Take me through the biggest obstacle that you faced in your life, whether personally or professionally. And what was the greatest lesson that you learned from it? Obstacle is a, it mostly, you know, my name is Mohammed Sadiq and I don't look like everybody else here in the U.S. and also in Canada, a similar way, you know. Many people, uh, I do see, I do feel it, especially in the last four years. I'm not being political here. However, the reality of life, you know, it doesn't matter which side of the aisle side you are. Some people don't even want to deal with anybody with Muhammad Sadiq, you know. I'm not giving you a victim. I'm just giving you an obstacle you may not be even aware of. People of uh, color, they do face very unique to them because I am a person of color, so that I have to say. And... I have been told, go back to your country. Again, not being a political. And that becomes a big obstacle because you are dealing with uh, the environment where you have to continue as far as your safety and for your life. However, at the same time, I'm not offended from that one. The lesson is there are certain people may not like your message at all may not like how you speak English accent and I may screw up my, you know, certain words and I don't speak it clearly. Maybe mm -hmm. I overcome how oh, that person is not my market. <laughs> well, Sadiq, I, you know, it reminds me from a personal experience right after the terrorist attacks here on September 11th, 2001, 20 years ago, I was a salesperson in the food service industry. I worked for a distribution company. At one time, I had nine customers of, of Iranian descent. They were, from the, they were from Iran. And at that time, to your point, there was some hostility toward people of, of, of Middle Eastern descent. And what happened was I saw, look, if I am going to be who I say that I am, then I will not allow those biases to uh, to allow me to treat them differently and we actually had very candid open discussions about how they were feeling and i clearly remember and I, and, and and forgive me for for hijack but i but i was talking to a man and we were just sharing and he said i felt the same emotions you did watching the planes go into the towers because my family and I have lived here in America for several years and I felt the same things you did. And he was of Muslim descent, but he said, 
those are not people that I associated with. I, I believe in peace. I believe in living together in harmony. And, and, and it was enlightening for me who is someone who had always lived in rural Appalachia mm -hmm. to get that perspective. So as you were talking, I was having that flashback of going back in and sitting in that Italian restaurant, talking to my friend and sharing those same feelings together as human beings. And, and, um, thank you for sharing that, by the way, thank you for enlightening us because someone like myself, who's always grown up here in the United States may not realize what someone like you who emigrated to this country faced and people saying, go back to your country and things like that. There's no place for that. There really is no place for that in the United States. And our strength, I'm living by choice here. I follow the law, paying taxes and everything. In fact, all the diversity is the strength of our country. That's the foundation. We all can learn from each other. Look at this COVID has taught us all over the world. Every scientist is working on one solution. Yeah. If we had no communication among the scientists, we will be without a vaccine for I don't know how long. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned you know, e-commerce and things like that. I mean, you know, the United States for years has, has sourced products from all over the world. And so we, we really are a diverse people and, 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 and embracing diversity in who we are. I mean, I don't want to, my wife has told me, she said, you have a very eclectic group of friends. I don't want to hang out with the same type of people. I like diversity. Yeah. Sadiq, please share with our audience, and I've got one more question for you. Please share with our audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. My encouragement, intentional encouragement is whatever you learn today on this podcast or on any other show brought to you by Brian Sexton at Intentional Encourager, at least pick one thing and execute it. Because listening is not enough. Watching it is not enough. We all heard is knowledge is power. I don't agree with that. Applied knowledge is power. Apply that. See the result of that. That's the only way you are going to improve. Pick any one thing and do it. I, this is so good. I'm writing this down. Applied knowledge is power. That is, that is so profound, Sadiq. Please tell folks where they can connect with you. You have a, a tremendous podcast called the Growth Hacking Secrets Podcast. Take a moment and, and tell folks how they can connect with you. They can connect with me on the website meetsadiq.com or my ID on all social platform is one meetsadiq at meetsadiq M-E-E-T S-I-D-D-I-Q-U-E, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you like, you are connect with me, happy to just mention Intentional Encourager. I would love to help you any way I can. That and, is, And yeah. don't forget to go on Amazon, New Success Secrets. It's only 99 cents. That will be appreciated very much. Definitely. I, I, I Forgive me for interrupting there. I just wanted to, to reiterate what you said. 
go to www.meet, M-E-E-T, Sadiq, S-I-D-D-I-Q-U-E.com, meetsadiq.com, and connect with him on LinkedIn, connect with his resources. And again, don't forget to go and pick up a, a copy of New Success Secrets on amazon.com. Sadiq, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being a part of the Intentional Encourager podcast today. I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for having me. Go and do it. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll enjoy all the other episodes of the Intentional Encourager podcast, releasing each Tuesday and Friday. You can get those by subscribing wherever you get podcasts. Until next time, remember anyone, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.